The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. To be honest with ourselves that there's, you know, inflation, 12-month core inflation is 6% CPI. That's three times our 2% uh, target. Now, it's, it's good to see progress, but let's just understand we have a long ways to go to get back to Preston. So there you go. The Federal Reserve has raised rates by 50 basis points, but hikes its terminal rate above 5%, with the chair, Jerome Powell, signaling the hiking path will continue into next year. Attention now turning to the European Central Bank and the Bank of England, with both set to hike rates by 50 basis points today amid hopes, just hopes at the moment, that inflation has peaked. Chinese industrial production growth slowing in the month of November, while retail sales slump almost 6% as the country counts the economic cost of its strict zero-COVID policies. And European leaders gather in Brussels today as they look to forge a common response to the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act. Estonia's Prime Minister telling CNBC competition rules cannot simply be dismissed. Companies should compete on the merits, uh, not by the subsidies, really. And that's why we have the state aid rules. Now, it seems to me that everybody wants to throw them out of the window. A very good morning, everybody. Good morning, Arabile. How are you? Yeah, I can't complain. Now, now this is your you. maiden anchoring on Scorebox, it isn't is. it? It well, is. Well, good, good. Well, I, despite what I joked beforehand, I will make it as painless <laughs> as possible, I can assure you. I have you many doubts it. about that, but we'll see. We'll see. The proof oh, is in the pudding, it's right? It's a mildly different show. We get room to breathe a little yeah. bit. We upset the producers and the directors <laughs> normally by about two minutes' time. So we just go, well, just say what you like, really, for three hours. It's, All right. It's, it's, I, I like that idea, yeah, actually. I mean, Jeff is in the house. I don't want viewers to worry about where Jeff is but he's got a, a, a gargantuan day today. Yeah. He is basically steering our central bank ship across yeah. the uh, midday and beyond as well. But look, before that, let's talk about the central bank action overnight because the Federal Reserve has slowed its pace of rate hikes, raising its key interest rate by 50 basis points to its highest level since 2007. Right, we can stop right there. That is all in the price, yeah? You all knew that. Okay, let's move on. Officials had hiked rates by 75 basis points at the previous four meetings, but the smaller increase comes amid signs, again, very, very tentative, that inflation may have peaked. And the key word there is may. So, moving on. The Fed Chair Jerome Powell said the fight against price pressures still has some way to go. I think my view and my colleagues' view is that this will take some time. We'll have to hold policy at a restrictive level for a sustained period so that, you know, two good, you know, two good monthly reports are, you know, very welcome. Of course, they're very welcome. But I think we need to be honest with ourselves that there's, you know, inflation, 12-month core inflation is 6% CPI. That's three times our 2% uh, target. Now, it's, it's good to see progress, but let's just understand we have a long ways to go to get back to price stability. Right, so let's get this straight so far, because I'm reading a lot of headlines that say there were surprises in this Fed announcement. And there was perhaps 
the market having to move to the Fed rather than the Fed moving to the market. And that's what I don't think the equity market particularly likes. And I'll go into some detail of what I'm talking about a little bit further on. But so far, you had your 50 basis points. Yep. No surprise there. You've got a Fed chair who's saying we cannot uh, lighten up on the fight against inflation. No surprises there as well. Uh, and of course, they will keep going back to the lessons learned from the 70s and 80s as well. So no surprise there as well. But it's in the dot plot, and we said this yesterday, so I don't actually think it's such a surprise, bearing in mind we forecast this yesterday. And we didn't forecast it off our own back. We looked at what the investment banks were saying. Yeah. We looked at what the expert in the markets were saying. Uh, and that is why I don't think you should have been surprised by anything that happened in the dot plot as well. Uh, and I'm not sure you necessarily were, but of course, higher for longer, perhaps that's going to worry some of you out there. Arabile. Yeah, certainly the case, right? We saw the market choose to move towards that 5% figure and more with some of the analysts we had been speaking to, as you made note of, all right? Now, FOMC officials even expecting the Fed's terminal rate to hit that 5.1% figure in 2023. Uh, according to the latest dot plot projections, they are then expected to pause hiking before cutting rates by a full percentage point then in 2024. That would then be followed by another percentage point cut across 2025. Now, Jay Powell also downplayed fears over a sharp recession, saying it's still too early then to know just how deep a downturn could be. To the extent we need to keep rates higher and keep them there for longer and inflation you know, moves up higher and higher, I think that, that narrows the runway. But lower inflation readings, if they persist in time, could, could certainly make it more possible. So I, I, just, I don't think anyone knows uh, whether we're going to have a recession or not. And if we do, whether it's going to be a deep one or not. It's just, it's not knowable. So red the market went, right? This is the exact picture of how markets then closed in the United States, particularly following that decision by Jay Powell and the announcement then with regards to some way to go still with regards to that fight against inflation. If you're looking to crush it, it may take some time. So a few more rate hikes still on the way. It's just about the size of those that will be uh, very important is data still the certain uh, aspect or is it really just about where to from here and do they end at that 5% figure? So you see the fall off. The Dow Jones Industrial even falling around 300 points just after that decision was then made. Very interesting as well to then uh, speak about the S&P 500, which did fall uh, two-thirds of a percent. But even on a three-month basis, the interesting element to that uh, is that it's, around, it's, it's about to actually hit uh, some of its best quarter as well then um, since the second quarter of 2020. So that gives you a clearer sense then, having gained around 12% uh, just this, uh, this year so far, or rather in the half-year period, that, that gain is certainly uh, coming to the fore. So the best quarter since 2020 is what we're expecting to see on that one. On to the Treasuries market then. We did see the yield sort of rise initially after the Fed uh, had decided to uh, hike rates by that 50 basis points, but that plot point perhaps uh, falling just a little bit uh, as well after that, the two-year and the 10-year yield sort of reversing uh, their tilt and particularly uh, initially gaining two basis points did the two-year, uh, now sitting at 4.24% uh, for that one, the 10-year still 3.488 there.
On to the dollar then. Well, that's been quite an interesting one also in the midst of in the midst of all of this, right? So you initially saw some strength that you thought would perhaps hold on, but we have seen that uh, fall off uh, of late dollar index even falling to that uh, fresh six-month low of 103.4, right? Uh, that's the lowest since June 16 this year. So the dollar index kind of giving you a sense of that dollar weakness beginning to fade a little bit. But economic factors uh, will still be a key watch point then for the Fed. Let's get into this discussion point now and talk a little bit more about uh, how things are faring and what exactly brought about some of these decisions. And did the market really get surprised by that dot plot, especially Alex Morris, the CEO of uh, Genoa Asset Management, uh, joining us now? Alex, were you surprised at all? I mean, that 5% figure does seem to be something that was spoken about uh, by quite a few analysts. Is that still the case? I mean, do you see that happening as well? Uh, we, I wasn't surprised by the 5% number. It's certainly been forecasted by Chair Powell and the Fed, and it seems perfectly plausible. I mean, looking back at the dot plot, which Chair Powell made very clear we should look at, 17 of 19 governors saw 5% or greater, and that, was, that number was zero in September. So it's been a, a change there, but not one that wasn't foreseeable. And, and I think many forecasters in the market saw. But what I think the real news um, was, was a change in how Chair Powell approached the meeting. It, the last few meetings, we got into a cadence of a relatively dovish prepared set of remarks, followed by relatively hawkish, if not downright you know, adversarial Q&A, where one commentator put it very well, Chair Powell did 20 minutes of slam poetry against the markets, and then a week of Fed governors trying to peel back certain comments that were made. Today or yesterday was quite different. This was a much more uh, hawkish set of prepared remarks, as if to say, we really do mean it. Look at the data. Look at what we're doing. 5% is, is coming, and it's going to be here for a while. Yeah, Alex, the sense might have been as well that perhaps it didn't pay too much attention to that better than expected inflation data point of 7.1% then uh, for November, and perhaps just pointed to the fact that more still just needs to be done. So clearly justifying his fight against inflation. Would you say that that really was the point here to kind of just prove that they're going to fight this inflation figure until it gets down to that 2%, which clearly is going to take some time? I think that's right. And I think the Fed knows that the market is well aware that once inflation starts to drop, it drops way faster than than we often imagine it would. And if you look back at the last three uh, inflationary and disinflationary cycles, that's been exactly what happened. And I think if anything, the, the Fed governors are trying to get ahead of that and remind people a few good data points doesn't mean that everything changes on a dime. This is going to have to go on for a prolonged period of time before their policy can become accommodative again. That, and that should be measured in, in quarters, not in weeks. And it's been a, a balancing act for, the, for Chair Powell and the Fed to try to get that message clear across both equity and bond markets. I don't think the market necessarily threw its toys out of the pram the last couple of days, but it kind of got what it expected. It got great CPI data for the market. It got absolutely the rate hike it expected. I'm trying to work out, though, why it wasn't excited by what we've seen. And I think it's the fact that the market 
wanted rate cuts in the second half of 2023. Uh, and as far as I can see, the only part that's really changed is the Fed saying, well, no, not yet, despite what you're saying about falling inflation. So why do you think, though, that the market is failing to get excited about the moves and the, uh, the action of the last couple of days? I, I agree with you. I think it's the the fact that this will go on longer than perhaps the market had timed in. You know, going directly into the meeting, Fed funds futures had priced in 25 basis points, not 50, which seems like it was very clear it was going to be a 50 basis point hike. That was the case weeks going into this. But minutes before, all of a sudden, folks thought perhaps we'll see a much more dovish pivot and a dovish policy uh, on the horizon. And that's just not not going to happen. And I do think it's important that the market in, ingest that. That said, the reversal wasn't as strong as we saw, say, in September, where when given the opportunity to talk down the stock market, Chair Powell did so in a very violent fashion, and the market dropped you know, hundreds of basis points, not 85, throughout the course of, of the meeting. And, and when uh, under question, the first question actually gave Chair Powell the opportunity to talk the stock market down a great deal. And instead, there was a, a slight moment of hesitation or pause, and then a relatively dovish response to it. And I think we're, we're now seeing the Fed turn into or, or change direction slightly. It knows accommodative policy will be necessary at some point. It does look at the inversion of the 90-day Treasury versus the 10-year being a harbinger of recession. And its goal is ultimately to avoid a recession. And that soft landing is possible. Chair Powell made that very clear. It's just not knowable when we can make that determination. Alex, we're showing a, a picture of the dollar index on the screen at the moment. And actually what it says to me is that we're trading at our lows of the last six months. So how is it the grown-ups in the Forex market uh, can see what's happening and think, yeah, it's more dovish than we have been. And we can see a path to, um, what can I say, not so much a pivot, but we can see a path to uh, a less hawkish stance, whereas the equity market is still worried about it. Is there a divergence between what the um, Forex market, possibly also the bond market is saying, and what the equity market thinks? I think there is a divergence there, and it's, it's self-serving. To some large extent, the bond market is prepared for, the, for rates to be high and resetting uh, corporate bond rates across the spectrum. But the equity market is very much set up for a constant 45 degree angle and is looking for any opportunity to grasp onto that and to continue what had been a, a relatively shocking and persistent bull market. And that said, there's still a lot of green shoots in the equity market. There's still deep innovation in technology companies, even if some of their valuations have been shattered in recent months. But the equity market, I think, in equity market participants are looking for a reason right. for the market to go up. Alex, you, you, you've caught me on a hook. I was going to say goodbye to you, but some of those growth stocks, the tech stocks, their valuations have been shattered. Yeah, they've been shattered from ludicrous down to mildly ludicrous. So they've got a way to go, haven't they? Uh, they do. I do think they've, they have some downside risk to them left. But you know, at, at core, some of the companies that were trading at crazy values needed to come back to earth, and they did. But they're not going to just go back to you know, levels that don't make any sense either. I mean, long term, we're not giving up uh, EVs to go back to ride horses or anything of that nature. I do think also many of those growth and tech stocks do have a lot of uh, opportunity in them. It's not going to be this broad as had happened post, uh, you know, March 2020. But I do think we're going to find some real winners there. And there's still a lot of capital that wants to find those. And, and we're seeing that in bouts make its way back into the equity market. And it probably will continue. 
I mean, many banks after this were still calling for the S&P to end the year at 4,000 or 4,100. That's a 10% rise. And even if we forecast that out on a 90-day or 180-day basis, that's still a surprisingly strong and resilient equity market when fighting a Fed that is very clearly trying to send the message, you know, read our lips, we're going to be at 5% and we're looking to destroy much of this demand. Yeah, Alex, we're going to have to get you in in 2023 because there's so many things you keep saying that I want to respond to and have a good market chat about as well, including your point about EVs. And the problem there, of course, is when the richest man in the world, sorry, second richest man in the world is selling his stock at around about 160 bucks as well. You do wonder what he thinks of the company's longer term or whether he's got other priorities or whether we should be paying 30 times forward for our EV companies. So many questions. We'll do it next time. Happy Christmas, Alex. Alex Morris, CEO of Genoa Asset Management. How you doing? Holding up? Yeah, very good. <laughs> very good. Very Plenty good. More to I mean, go. Don't worry, you've only got another two hours and forty-five minutes. And, uh, a good couple of hours, actually. That's that's good. He won't be saying that in two hours. <laughs> Get me off from him. Right, okay. The ECB, that's what Jeff says every day. He, says, oh, he has such joy every day. He but comes for in. so many years. And then. I just yeah, we've worked together for a couple of years, like an old married couple. You know Walter Matthau <laughs> ah, and Jack okay. Lemon? So guys, it just yeah. goes back and forth like that. Then. Think Walter Matthau and Jack Lemon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know which one I am then. Uh, or Waldorf and Stadler. Stadley you are? <laughs> Whichever. <laughs> the ECB is expected to follow the Federal Reserve's path and hike rates by 50 basis points at its meeting today. Investors will also be watching out for the clues on how the central bank will shrink its balance sheet. Tell me they haven't put you outside, Anetta. Let's have a look. Oh, it's minus seven in the car this morning. I hope it's warmer in Frankfurt. No, it's not. <laughs> it's minus eight. Uh, <laughs> uh, but joking aside, let me look at what the ECB is going to do today. Uh, as you were pointing out, we most likely will also get a 50 basis point rate hike, but the ECB seems to be done earlier with rate hiking than the Fed. At least that's what the market is expecting. So currently the pricing or the market is pricing in a deposit rate at 2.5% uh, in February and that should be the, the, the highest level we are seeing for the foreseeable future because we are seeing a decelerationary trend of inflation and inflation is mainly driven here in the Eurozone by higher energy prices. On a year-on-year -year comparison that should actually come down quite substantially at, at the latest in, in March. So, and on top of that, of course, comes the, the, the recession, which is kicking in most likely here in the Eurozone, albeit we're seeing uh, also some revision to the severity of the projected recession by some big banks. Um, so talking about projections, that's another topic here in Frankfurt from the ECB. We're going to get new staff projections. Reuters is reporting that uh, most likely we're going to see the inflation projection for over a three-year time horizon to be higher than the target of the ECB, which stands at 2%. Um, and that also will mean that we're going to see more uh, monetary tightening, but not through higher rates, as I was saying early on. It will be quantitative of tightening, meaning the shrinking of the balance sheet. And that brings me to the next topic, which will be high on the agenda here today. Um, Madame Lagarde is expected to at least announce that QT will start to happen perhaps as soon as March next year, but most likely not before, because they first want to go through that winter recessionary period and the doves, especially on the governing council, which is currently sp split half-half between hawks and doves, are very much 
much concern that the moment uh, QT is actually starting, so the shrinking of the balance sheet, um, that could lead to a push uh, into, or that could lead to a much higher yields on sovereign bonds. So, and that brings me, of course, to the question of debt sustainability at current levels. If we are going to see substantially higher yields on sovereign bonds, especially for the periphery of the eurozone. So, it's not a boring meeting today. It will be exciting. So close to Christmas here for the ECB, and they face perhaps even a much more trickier task than the Fed because as always the currency area is much more divided and we don't have one fiscal um, yeah we don't have one finance ministry who actually could also maneuver through that upcoming recessionary winter period so again a very interesting meeting QT higher rates and of course the projections are on the table Brilliant, Annette. So you go and get yourself warm and sit in the truck or something for a while. Uh, minus six in Frankfurt, according to my temperature. Uh, you stay warm, my friend, and thank you very much for the great coverage. Right, uh, just to say, of course, more on the ECB's decision. Check out Annette's article on cnbc.com. A quick word on HSBC. Uh, shares up 11% year to date. Trade on about 0.7 price to book. Uh, price earnings about six forward. So not particularly demanding multiples compared with certainly US peers as well. Uh, there you can see the performance uh, of the UK and Hong Kong listings. They have made a few comments this morning from a spokesperson. Remains on track to hit all financial targets, including a return on tangible equity, a rote of at least 12% from 2023 onwards. Uh, do not believe there is an economic case for splitting the bank. That is the key nod to some shareholders. Uh, given the current returns trajectory, targeting a divvy payout of around 50% for 2023 and 2024, that's a payout ratio. Um, expect quarterly dividends to be reverted to in 2023, so says the spokesperson today. Arabile. Yeah, so still some central bank news, of course, coming out today. A lot of that will certainly be in focus. And the Bank of England widely expected then uh, to hike rates by 50 basis points today, bringing the base rate to 3.5%. Now, the bank acted aggressively last month, hiking by 75 basis points in its biggest move in 33 years. All of that was, of course, in a bid to bring runaway inflation down, as all central banks are trying to do right now. Now, consumer prices... Uh, cooled a fraction in the 12 months to November as fuel prices fell. But CPI still sits at more than five times the BOE's own target rate and recessions loom. I said all central banks want to uh, bring down inflation. There's still Turkey who are trying to perhaps keep it up a little bit more, aren't they? I think, I think Turkey is a fiscal experiment, a monetary experiment, which... Um Others would be foolish to replicate. I think we yeah. all know that. I, I, I saw some enormous double-digit PPI figures in the last week or so. Look, in terms of the Bank of England, yeah. um, Jeff and the team will be covering this later on. Juman will be covering it as well. Uh, the fact of the matter is there is an enormous fiscal tightening going on yeah. in the United Kingdom at the moment. We saw that from the most recent budget from Jeremy Hunt. That follows Quasi Quateng's ludicrous, ridiculous in many ways, some would say, um, experiment at fiscal loosening to try and stimulate growth as well. Uh, Kwarteng has gone, Liz Truss has gone, the grown-ups are back in charge at number 10 and 11 as well. Yeah. Uh, but this is going to bring real pressures for the UK economy. It is going to undoubtedly potentially take the UK into a slower growth trajectory. Yeah. Possibly we are already in recession. I think people want to know from us, though, what we understand the rate hike trajectory to look like. 50 basis points today seems in the bag. And then I'm looking at another 50 
to 75 basis points seen next year as well. I know, for instance, Goldman Sachs expects 50 basis points again in February, yeah. 25 basis points hike in March, uh, and giving and May as well, uh, and a terminal rate of some in the region of 4.5%. But it's very interesting. We know that there's a lag on some of the increase we've seen. Yeah. We know there's going to be uh, a big fiscal demand on the UK economy going forward as well. So that is going to slow the economy. What it does for wages remains to be seen because, of course, some of the biggest wage increases we've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and indeed, we've seen good data out of the UK yeah. this week. Solid GDP, solid employment growth as well. Does that, the Bank of England want to see that at the moment? It wants to see inflation abate, and I'm not it, sure it, if you can have both together. Yeah, you, as much as that is the case, right, you've seen it slow down to that 10.7% figure. I, I'm wondering if that perhaps is what the market really wanted, though, because it's, it's that gradual slowing that isn't going to necessarily shock markets, but give enough impetus uh, to, to perhaps move in the right direction. It's going to be a, a slow grind to, to where they really want to be. And as much as that could be supportive to the economic outlook, it looks like it actually could be supportive as well to the pound at this stage, right? So far, it certainly uh, has been and has pointed that way. And you could see the winds and the sails then of the pound actually uh, move in a more positive direction at this point in time. So I think the questions for them will certainly be around that growth figure, yes, which I think without a shadow of a doubt is going to be very difficult to look any other direction than a recession at this point in time. But where to from here? How much tightening can even the monetary policy itself then do and you know as you said that 75 basis point hike uh, for perhaps next year and a 50 basis point all of this coming off the back of that slow grind last year which perhaps should have been should have been done you know front loaded those moves so it's very interesting you looked at the pound and, and i agree that's exactly where one should be looking at as well but we have a massive uh, trade deficit in the united kingdom as yeah. well trading goods and services the most recent data uh, deficit excluding precious metals widened mm. by 0.1 billion to 24 billion pounds in the three months to october 2022 now Big, big trade deficits as well. If we have a stronger pound, of course, it means that we have more bang for our buck in paying for those goods, and actually it is less inflationary as well. So actually, even though the, and it was a good chart we showed, I don't know if we can show that again on the sterling exact 12 months, we have had a stunning rally. Yeah. Funnily enough, the doomsters were wrong. <laughs> they were wrong, end of story, uh, that parity would be breached. It wasn't breached. Yeah. Whether it is at a future stage, that remains to be seen. But parity wasn't breached. The pound has rallied over 20% since those lows as well. And that will uh, improve our purchasing power, of course, and lessen some of those inflation concerns as well. But it is a long battle, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, and I think you said in your read over five times the target level of 2% as well. 10.7%. And you can join us for special programming. Oh, look at that handsome chap. <laughs> Is that how we look this morning? No, that's an old photo. Uh, that's okay. a, that, that's a right. file photo okay, from, about, I reckon, about 2011. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. Oh, He's no, actually so sitting much. about 20 yards I, from where I'm talking. I don't want to be there for this conversation, that's for sure. I know you do. Yeah, it's where I run furiously around. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jeff will be breaking down the Bank of England's and ECB's rate decisions later today. Tune in to the CNBC from 1300 CET. Coming up on the show, economic data out of China. Well, it was disappointing. Uh, we'll give you a breakdown of that as the country counts the cost of its zero COVID policy. We'll have more next. And I'm told the podcast has gone straight to the top uh, of the uh, podcast uh, hit list. I can believe that. Let's if you're get more. looking at it upside down. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you are, certainly. <laughs> for more on the Fed's updated economic outlook and what it means for markets, check out the Squawk Box podcast.
Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. Welcome back. Well, if we take a look at how things are faring out in the Asian trading picture, even seeing uh, the likes of the Australian market going down two-thirds of a percent, you can see the leading losers there uh, is, of course, the Kospi going down 1.4 percent. Alongside the Hang Seng in Hong Kong, uh, a lot of that, of course, based off uh, the uh, decision then by the Fed to of course, raise that interest rate by 50 basis points, the highest mark then around 15 years. Uh, so clearly uh, setting the tone. On the back of that, of course, it does point to some weak economic data having come out uh, of the Far East as well. So we'll point towards that. But uh, losses there for the Hang Seng, more than 1% lost, uh, with the Nikkei also a third of a percent weaker. Okay, thank you. Let's move on. Chinese President Xi Jinping will meet with his party and senior government officials over the next two days as they look to plot a recovery for the country's economy amid the fallout of its zero-COVID policy. The meeting comes as key major cities, including Beijing and Wuhan, have reported a rise in the number of critically ill patients. The latest economic data out of China showed a broad-based slowdown as the economy of the economy as Beijing ditches its long-standing COVID zero policy. Industrial output in November grew 2.2% but missed expectations, while retail sales fell nearly 6%. Sam joins us with more. Sam, very difficult because the data was disappointing, fixed asset investment, the ones I just mentioned as well, uh, and yet it's, it's very difficult to ascertain whether this is about COVID or whether it's about a general slowdown as well, but maybe you could break down the numbers for us. Good morning to you, Steve. Well, I just lost the second half of your question there, but uh, I will just pick up and say that uh, perhaps you were suggesting that the market reaction hasn't been as deep in losses as we would expect, given the data uh, that we've certainly seen today. And uh, what I've seen certainly over the last few minutes or so listening to your your comedy show with Arabile there is that the Shanghai Composite's actually uh, off the session's lows. Now, the CSI 300 index is really just around the flat line, and we've got the Shenzhen composite actually uh, in positive territory. And what that suggests to us is that perhaps investors are now very much looking past this data. They are looking past some of the lack of transparency that we are seeing, uh, certainly when it comes to these COVID cases, and perhaps also looking past uh, some of the um, confusion around the success rate of the elderly vaccination campaign and really pinning their hopes uh, on the reopening now and also the stimulus uh, because of course that is likely to be the big uh, focus now for the Chinese leadership as they will be meeting for their key uh, economic uh, work conference which of course thrashes out China's economic direction for 2023. Uh, There was some suggestion that this perhaps wouldn't be happening uh, this week because perhaps it was delayed because of the cases rising 
rising over in China. Uh, but we do have reports that this is starting today and will go until tomorrow. And really the big focus is likely, as I say, to be stimulus rather than reform. And no doubt the data that we have been getting uh, is very much building the case for that. Because as you say, we have seen, we have seen those retail sales actually falling, consumption and manufacturing. Uh, the worst performance we've seen in around six months since that lockdown that we saw, of course, uh, during the Shanghai lockdown back in May. Uh, and we have seen fixed asset investment coming off as well. Now, it's not entirely surprising because, of course, we did see COVID cases at a record high in the month of November. We saw those lockdowns, of course, resulting in people holding back on their spending. Uh, the fear factor around the virus, of course, and, of course, worries about jobs. We saw that unemployment rate actually ticking up 5.7 percent. Uh, youth unemployment coming off the, those highs, but still in concerning double digits. And that goes hand in hand, of course, with consumption. We also saw those COVID disruptions really taking a hit to manufacturing, as I said. Uh, and that does raise some concerns about some of those supply chains. Actually, auto production was down uh, almost 10 percent. And of course, the fallout from those disruptions was really on full display at the iPhone factory in Zhengzhou. Now, you only had to look at the exports as well in the month of November to see that overseas demand remained soft too. That is a result of those higher rates, of course, uh, and that is weighing on things for the Chinese economy. As I said, fixed asset investment, that was largely dragged down by uh, the sluggishness in the property sector, actually investment in that sector down a whopping 20%. That's the worst reading they've seen uh, since records began back in 2000. Now, speaking of the property sector, we also got new home price data for a pulse check on buyer sentiment over in China. And that came in again, 1.6% lower year on year. And that just goes to show that we are continuing uh, to see weakness in the property sector, despite the fact that we have seen this 16 point plan to certainly help the real estate market. Uh, and that just goes to show that we haven't quite seen the transmission yet in terms of those policy steps, guys. And that is why investors are very much looking towards the stimulus now moving into the new year. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.